Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to All the Wiser. I'm Kimmy Culp. All the Wiser is a one-for-one podcast. For every inspiring interview you hear, we donate $2,000 to charities around the world. I believe in the power of storytelling to inspire us all to think differently about the world around us. So I have combed the country for some of the most jaw-dropping stories you have ever heard. People who have been to the brink and back, stories of survival against all odds, and whose lives have been changed in unthinkable ways. Today's interview is with Jake Olson. Jake was born with cancer in his left eye, and by the age of 12, it took his right eye, leaving him completely blind. His last wish of sight before the surgery that would leave him blind forever was to watch his favorite college football team, the USC Trojans, play live. Few would imagine that years later, that little boy would become a Division I football player himself. After receiving a scholarship and being asked to be the long snapper for the Trojans. In addition to playing football, he is a single-digit golfer and does crazy things like driving a NASCAR. Today, he talks about life as a blind boy and young man, faith, optimism, and the relationship between adversity and creativity. You will also hear a cameo from my 11-year-old son, Sutton. I spend countless hours on my laptop at coffee shops around the city digging for incredible stories. Well, Jake magically appeared at my dinner table. Sutton came home from school and said he read an article about this guy named Jake Olson and that he would make the perfect All the Wiser guest. Well, he was right. Here's today's interview with Jake Olson. All right, Jake. Well, welcome to All the Wiser. We're so happy to have you here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And I shared with you, but I'll tell for everyone who's listening how I found your incredible story. My son Sutton, who's 11. Can you say hi, Sutton? Hi. Shout out from the back. (laughs) Found Jake's story, um, the school library doing a project. So grateful for Sutton and grateful for Jake for taking the time today. So thanks, dudes. So... I always like to just have you introduce yourself. So in your words, who are you, Jake? Uh, Well, I'm Jake Olson, and I um, was a long snapper for USC, was the first blind, uh, completely blind D1 athlete um, to play college, you know, football or in a college sport. And stubborn, I'm resilient. I'm, you know, I guess motivating what people tell me, but, uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I try to be just a fun guy to be around and a guy who doesn't let uh, circumstances kind of dictate how I live my life. So I know you were born with cancer in your retina and your left eye was removed at eight months. The cancer returned seven times. Is that right? Yeah. Seven times before you lost your right eye at 12. How would you describe your experience in those 11 years leading up to the loss of your right eye? Well, it was, it was different, obviously, in the sense that, 
you know, I was no other kid was going to the hospital and receiving treatment and having to go to doctor's offices and all that. But in the time, especially when I was younger, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that necessarily. And eventually once I became an age where I could understand, okay, I am different in that sense. It was, I guess, ordinary to me, I, you know, it wasn't like I ever thought it wasn't necessarily unfair, you know, just something I guess I thought I had to do and was, was what was required in order to beat the cancer. I always thought the cancer was beatable, you know, it was, okay, let's find out what, what's going on here. Um, you know, luckily we did have a lot of the treatment options we did, you know, between chemo and radiation and, you know, the local treatments and, you know, we even tried some experimental treatments. So between all those, there was never really a point where I thought I'd have to lose my right eye. You know, what, what was really tough was then obviously that, that blowing news of eventually being told I'd have to lose my eyesight just because, again, throughout my childhood, I just put up with the treatment just because it's like, okay, this is what we have to do in order to save my eyesight. So when I was told we couldn't do that anymore, I mean, it really was, you know, kind of a, a surprising blow. I read that you learned that you would lose your right eye listening in on a phone call between your mom and your doctor. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting just because obviously my cancer was back. My parents already knew, but they were waiting to tell me that night kind of together just because my dad wasn't home at the time yet. And uh, basically just kind of overheard them saying basically they found more tumors in the back that they really didn't know what they were going to do. Obviously, my life was at jeopardy, you know, if we were trying to, to mess around with it and <clears throat> removal of the eye was the necessary, I guess, procedure at this point. And obviously, I knew what that meant. And again, never really thought I'd hear that. So that's what really obviously made it hard beyond just the reality of it was just the fact that, again, I, I always assumed that there was a another option, you know, like, okay, let's try chemo again, let's try radiation again. But it's like, no, you're maxed out. You know, it's, we can't use that anymore. And what were your initial fears or thoughts at that moment <clears throat> about losing your right eye and becoming blind? I mean, the, I mean, the initial fear was just becoming blind, you know, it was, it was I, I had seen for 12 years, you know, on my right eye and sure sometimes were, were better than other times. You know, there, there were times where I was practically blind given, you know, what procedure we're doing and there's some bleeding in the eye and stuff. But, you know, it was, uh, that, that kind of permanent factor was there. Um, that, that realization that once obviously they take my eye, you know, there's, there's no scene ever again. And so that, that's what made it scary, but it just was, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, a, a real tormenting thought, I guess, to, to be told, you know, you're going to be losing your eyesight and never be able to see again, see again. I mean, that's, it's, it's a very uncertain future. It's one that you have to relearn how to read and write and walk around and go to school and orient yourself and figure out how you're going to, again, just live life. You know, if that's making sure you know how much water's in your glass to toothpaste on your toothbrush to, um, you know, figuring out what's going on in a movie. I mean, there's just literally pretty much every aspect of life, you know, has to be rearranged and you have to find new ways of doing things. So, you know, I was, I was obviously up for the task, but you can imagine the uncertainty and the kind of fear that comes along with that. 
Um, so I know you had this last wish to watch the Trojans play a football game before you lost your right eye and became blind. Tell me about why the program was so important to you and that experience. Well, it was, again, it was in September that I found out I was, had that cancer back and I'm running in October that I found out I was going blind and everything. So in the, it was in the fall and I just grew up a huge USC fan. My dad received his MBA from USC and it really was my favorite team. I put Saturdays, you know, the Saturdays in the fall above any other day in the, in the entire year. I mean, it was just, I loved watching USC play. I love football. It was a passion of mine, but the Trojans, you know, because we didn't have an NFL team in L.A. at the time. And, you know, UCLA was not an option. Um, so USC was a team, and it just so happened, obviously, how dominant they were growing up. I mean, it just was so fun to watch them. Um, and I just loved the program. And so, you know, it was one of those things in the fall. It's like, okay, you have a month and a half here. seeing what do you want to do. It's like, well, I just want to go to as many Trojan games as I can. And... You know, I told my parents that, and I think be, between that and just people knowing how big of a USC fan I was, you know, around my school and stuff, there was just a lot of people who had, you know, various connections to the school, connections from all around that eventually the avenue came back to to Coach Carroll and the program, and, you know, they took it upon themselves to kind of make that, I guess, common of mine to see a football game <laughs> into much more than seeing a football game, but, you know, being an honorary member of the team and experiencing that season with the team. Walk me through that honorary experience and that day, special day you had with the Trojans. Well, I mean, it was, it was incredible. I mean, I, uh, we, we came up for a practice and, you know, I thought it was just gonna be a practice, but sure enough, it was, you know, going to pre-practice meetings, coach introducing me to the team, the team kind of embracing me, um, everyone getting to know me, hanging out with the guys out on the on the practice field, eating dinner with them afterwards. Um, such a fun day. And then it's like, okay, you know, that's, that's such a fun day. I'm going to remember this day for the rest of my life. And then it's okay, why don't you come out to South Bend with us? Okay, now we're going to South Bend. Now it's, let's come, we're here, let's come stay at the hotel with us before the Oregon State game. Now I'm, you know, driving on the buses with them into the stadium. Now I'm, you know, at, at the games in the locker rooms before and after the words. I mean, it's just every part I could be a part of, they made me a part of. And it just really was something special. You know, it, it, it wasn't just that one day, which is just incredible. And it was uh, completely gracious just by um, SC's part and Coach Carroll's part. I mean, it, you know, by no means did they have to do that. They could easily hand me up for a day. Let me get signatures from the players, say hi to the guys and take pictures and go on with my life. But they really, you know, I saw, I guess, how much I love them. And they, in return, decided to build this relationship with me, um, one that still exists with many of the players today. You know, I'll see Chris O'Dowd or Matt Barkley or Coach Carroll. Um, you know, I, I talk to Coach Carroll very often and, you know, we're all very close still. Um, you know, anyone from that team back in 2009, I see what come up to me and, you know, I can't believe how much you grown. I mean, it just was a very special connection, you know, from, from my standpoint and from the player's standpoint. I don't think uh, anyone for the rest of their lives is going to forget that, that fall. So you said you had a month and talking to your parents about all the things you wanted to do and see and USC was very high on that list. What else was on that list? Well, uh, I had 
the previous summer I'd played Pebble Beach and uh, for the first time in kind of Spyglass, that kind of Monterey, um, you know, landscape up there. So I wanted to play it one more time just to be able to, you know, take it in. And so we were able to play Pebble Beach. Uh, it's very fortunate to play another course up there as well named Cypress Point, which is kind of, uh, I guess, a very exclusive course up there, a private course. Uh, I think it was uh, Mr. Ritter um, was able to bring uh, my father and I up there and we were able to play, which was just incredible. Um, it's the beauty up there. I mean, it really is something that those images will stay in my mind forever. Uh, I was able to sit courtside at a Lakers game, which was cool. Um, it, was, it was a very, very fun experience. Uh, get to see the game up close. Um, you know, I was able to sit, I guess, glass side at a Tux game, which was cool. Um, uh, very, 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 very cool. So, you know, it was just, it was, I don't know, it was, it was very fortunate. I feel very blessed for the opportunities I had during that month and a half. Um, you know, as obviously there was some sad moments, but especially USC and, you know, the other things we did, it, it, it made it, it made it bearable and it absolutely with USC, it was kind of a safe haven in the sense that when I was with the team, when I was within these walls, it really was a different reality. You know, it wasn't, it, it was like I was escaping the, the, the world that I was facing on the outside. So you had this incredible experience with the Trojans and I believe you were there the day before your surgery. Is that right? I was, yes. Yeah. So you have this surgery. Um, what was your first day of being blind like? Well, you know, I woke up and it was, I, I you know, it, it was weird just because there's two things. One that in my mind, I guess I, I, I can equate, I don't know what phantom, uh, I think it's called like the, you know, phantom syndrome or whatever, when, you know, you lose a arm or a leg and you still feel like it's there. Um, I don't know what that's like, but you know, I remember, I don't know if it was the day after a couple of days after or whatever, but I, I, it's almost like I could see so vividly still, um, uh, from my, I that wasn't there. I remember, you know, one time I was walking in my room and I, I just saw the doorway and I walked in the doorway and I ran into the door frame, you know, because it was, it was not what I was seeing, but my mind. So, you know, the first day it was, it was still very vivid, um, what I was kind of what I was seeing, but, um, I don't know. There, there's a sense that definitely helped in the, um, that I hadn't seen very well for the most of my life. And then there was, again, the, some of those points where I, I almost was blind. A lot of the, you know, again, when, when we went, we're going through some treatments. So for instance, my ears were already kind of accustomed to being used for directional source and kind of hearing where door, doorways were and kind of using them in that regard. You know, I think my orientation mobility was already kind of um, set in that way. And so, you know, that, that, that didn't take too long to get used to. Um, but I wanted to go back to school. I know that my doctor told my parents, you know, that I probably would take a week or off, so off school and uh, maybe get counseling or something. But, you know, I wanted to go back to school. I didn't go to school that day necessarily, but I did stop by at school and uh, say to my friends and, you know, I don't know, it just was kind of getting back to, uh, to life. I, it definitely wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sad per se. I, I realized my reality and it was just, let's, let's go move on now and figure out how we're going to live life and do the things I want to do. You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like I was struggling with the reality I now was in, you know, I, I think most of the fear and sadness came beforehand, not after. And what was the 
technical piece of going back to school, reading and writing and, and all of that, how did, what was that process? Well, it was ad- adapting to it, you know, as, as I always say, if there's a will, there's a way. And I had to do that in almost every aspect of life, but school definitely was interesting. You know, it was, I was a straight A student beforehand and I want to continue to excel in the classroom and not let be left behind. And so it was just learning in any way I knew how, um, you know, for some reason, my I have a really good memory, and I think God gave me that for a reason. And I started really applying that, and it only became better after I went blind. And so I, I could remember a lot of things. Um, I soon learned just how important technology was. Uh, I started using the technology that existed, and it's only gotten better since then, obviously. But, you know, I've, I'm very fortunate to live in the 21st century where there's technology that helps blind people be able to stay in a normal classroom and do, you know, work on a computer and work on tablets or an iPhone or whatever the case is, you know, it's, it's, it's a very adaptive, you know, and that, and that's really, really great. Um, and that's why honestly I created my foundation not too long after I went blind, um, that helps, you know, kids get the technology they need to stay in a normal classroom and to excel and to go to college and, you know, get a degree, you know, so that's why I created my foundation because I realized just how much it was. But it also takes, you know, the teachers to work with me. You know, it, it definitely takes communication and to say, hey, this is really hard. Can we figure out a different way of doing this? And, you know, is there a different way I can learn this? Is, is it sitting down with a teacher one-on-one after a class um, to figure it out? You know, whatever the case is. But, you know, that's what I also learned and took to high school when I was in high school and now in college is that you got to communicate and you got to make sure – you, you know, you make your needs known. And, you know, there's there's been very few cases where the teachers haven't been, you know, very, um, very conducive to my my needs and say, yeah, let's let's figure out a way. So I know during this time frame, right after the surgery, it was, I believe, six days later that you went back to USC mm-hmm. um, to see the team again. I saw old footage of you walking in with a cane mm-hmm. and it was you could, it was palpable. I mean, watching that footage, you could see the energy and the love in the room. Like you said, that bond is, is clear still in footage that, you know, dates back a decade. If I had told you that day that you would be back six years later as a player at USC, what would you have said? (laughs) I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, I knew I wanted to come to USC and I, you know, I imagined obviously at that time, I didn't know Coach Carroll was going to be gone. I didn't know, you know, the the program was going to be sanctioned. You know, there's obviously a lot of different things happen with the actual program. Um, but I knew I'd be part of the team somehow in the sense that I knew a lot of the people now in athletics, I was kind of a part of the family. So when I came here as a student, you know, maybe I was, um, somehow part of the program if, if in any way, shape, or form. But to be a player, I, I would have absolutely not believed you. So here we are over a decade later. How have you changed? Who were you before and after that surgery? Oh, uh, you know, I, I think I was the same person. I just think I became more of that person in the, in the sense that I was always resilient as a kid. I always kind of took things lightly. Um, you know, when the cancer would come back, it wasn't this devastating blow that I needed to to take, you know, a uh, week off school and cry about it. You know, it just was, you know, that stubborn personality of mine, okay, let's, let's figure out a way to beat it. Let's, let's put what we got at it and let's fight, you know. And, and so I think obviously blindness represented my biggest, you know, setback. It represented my, 
biggest challenge. So I just needed to apply those principles more so, you know, and, and become even more stubborn, become even more of a fighter, even become more of a, you know, creative um, innovator in the way I do things. And so, you know, and trust me, when I started trying to do the things I, I wanted to do, like golf and, and play football and, and be a straight A student and, um, you know, do these other things, it, it did take creativity, it did take perseverance and patience. You know, there was a lot of mental toughness that came with it. Um, you know, I, I think I became more mental, mentally tough afterwards, uh, just because, you know, learning, learning how to play golf blind is not easy, you know, and it's, uh, it was frustrating knowing how I was beforehand and how I was after. And, you know, there's, there's just a lot of kind of incidents, incident, incidents like that, where it wasn't easy and it was very frustrating. And I knew in my head, it would be so much easier if I could see, but at the same time, I knew it wasn't impossible because I couldn't see. And so I just had to put my head down and, and fit, find a way. And so I think all that was in me beforehand. I just wasn't applying it as much and um, it wasn't as, as strong inside of me. And so I just think, you know, just like anything you practice, it becomes more useful and more strong. And, and that's just what happened in my life. I know in high school you played varsity football and teammates would guide you onto the field and position you over the ball. Clearly you have a love and passion of golf. What was the process of redefining your athleticism? You've said playing football was as much about proving it to yourself as it was about proving it to others. Yeah, well, I remember, you know, not playing my freshman and sophomore year and it kind of nagging at me because I love football. I had a passion for it and I wanted to not look back on high school and say, man, you know, I, I really wish I played ball. So it was like my sophomore year and I really wanted to find a way to be back on the field. So I found the long stamping position. You know, my teammates were like, you could probably do this or my, my soon to be teammates. So I, I tried it and I remember kind of, throwing the idea around to me becoming a long snapper. And a lot of people were like, no, like you don't want to do that. You know, you're going to get hurt or whatever. And then obviously when I tried it, I was no good. Cause I just had no idea what I was doing. And so, you know, I think a lot of people just kind of put the idea aside, but you know, there was a coach I worked with the entire, the entire summer going to my junior year. And sure enough, I became, you know, the best long snapper on the team and, uh, you know, worked my way in varsity. So, I mean, it was proven to others, but proven to myself more so it's just, playing the game I loved, you know, and, and being part of that high school experience, you know, the high school ball experience, which, you know, again, I would have regretted my entire life if I never played football in high school. Um, and, you know, sure enough, I got the opportunity then to play in college. But, you know, to re redefining myself, it it's interesting because, again, people always say, you know, these dreams and goals and, you know, it comes with hard work. And I say, yeah, yeah, when when stuff like this happens, when 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 accidents happen, when you go through something like this, sure, you can't be the star quarterback, sure, you can't be the star receiver, you know, that, that might be out of reach, but not playing football, now that's not out of reach, you know, find find a way to do the things you still love, um, you know, and that's, and that's what I did, you know, there's always, there always is a way, you just got to find it, and so, sure, again, I'm not, I'm not the star tight end out there, um, but I can still participate and, and contribute. I've seen footage of you now as a QB. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and obviously is a long snapper. So I have a technical question for you. How do you know where you're aiming? 
Uh, just by sound, you know, again, it, it didn't take too long for me to realize that hearing and sound is, is much more than just hearing it. It's directional. It's, it's orienting yourself. It's knowing, you know, where openings are and where, how big the room you're sitting in is and where people are standing. And so not soon after I went blind, I realized like, yeah, if, if my receiver clapped, you know, I could judge how fast they were running, where they were moving, and, you know, I could throw the ball to him. And that's what I did with my dad, you know, what, right after I went blind. So you graduated with honors and you're accepted to USC. I know you received a scholarship for physically challenged athletes. Mm-hmm. And then you get a call from the head coach. What is that call? Yeah, well, I, again, I so once I started playing football in high school, when I ever came up to SC to visit, you know, the guys up here, um, now I was considered as a recruit just because that's just how it was. It had to be, you know, I was, I was playing high school ball, so I had to be treated like everyone else who played high school ball and wanted to visit SC. So I was a recruit and talking to Coach Sark and Pat Hayden, um, they just were, you know, they knew my story, obviously, and they said, hey, you know, you guys, you, you plan on coming here? I said, obviously, yes, you know, that's my dream school. And they said, okay, well, you know, when you get in, you know, what what do you, you plan on kind of being part of the program? And I'm like, yeah, no, obviously, you know, I, I love being around here. And um, they're like, well, okay, well, I mean, would you want to snap on the team? I'm like, well, yeah, is that even an option? Like, yes, absolutely. And they said, yeah, you know, we'd love to have you snap on the team. So it was just they kind of implanted that in my mind. So sure enough, applied to the school. And then I got a call from Ron Orr in February, my senior year. And he, Ron Orr is a associate athletic director here. And he also is the one who heads up uh, Swim with Mike, which is an organization that gave my scholarship and said, you know, we'd love to, to have you come play on the football team. We're going to award you the Swim with Mike scholarship and you'll be coming to SC and uh, playing on the team and, you know, go, come to your dream school. And that was just you know, to kind of finalize that and have that actually as, as my, you know, set road ahead was, was incredible. And, you know, it really was a dream come true of going to SC and even more than a dream come true about being able to play on the football team. And how long were you on the team before you saw action on the field during a game? Uh, two years. Yeah. So my freshman and sophomore year, um, I, I didn't play in them. My, my uh, junior and senior season, I did. And what was the first experience walking onto the field with the Pack Stadium? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was um, it was it was it was hot out. That's for sure. I remember, you know, the the first two times I snapped for some reason, I was like, I don't know if, if, if there's a correlation here, but the weather has to be like above 95 degrees if I'm going to snap <laughs> because both those uh, games my junior year were, were really hot. But uh, but no, it was it was awesome. You know, it, it really was a uh, moment I'll never forget, you know, being able to walk out there in front of the fan base that helped me get through so much in my life. I think that's why it was even more of a special moment than obviously what it was at face value was that everyone kind of grew up with me. You know, those, those people in the stands remembered me as a 12 year old. They remember me coming to SC practices and watching me go blind and watching me persevere through that adversity. So just watch me go out there and snap. It just was this real culmination of all the support and love that everyone displayed over the last 10 years and loved seeing me, loved me being part of the Trojan team family. And I think that's why it was just so special um, for us to be out there. You know, it really was a, uh, a moment that everyone felt that was kind of this completion, this, you know, blissful moment that 
you know, Jake finally got out there and, and played and persevered through his adversity. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it just was, it was just an awesome moment. So as a junior, you took the field and snapped the ball for the final point after a touchdown in the season opener. It was a huge moment for USC, and it was a huge moment in college football. And obviously, it was a big moment for you. So a lot of fans and journalists have focused on that iconic moment. Is that the moment that has defined you the most, or is it something else? Mm. <clears throat> no, I think... Honestly, I think what really defined me um, was just my ability to get out there and start playing football again. Uh, my freshman and sophomore year, like I said, I didn't play football. Uh, I played my eighth grade season after I went blind, but it was you know flag football for my middle school, and it was fun. Um, but I kind of let people tell me. I kind of let just the the status quo dictate what I did my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And that was don't play football. There's not a position out there for you. There's, you know, you're, you're not meant to be out there. And I think once I kind of came to that realization of what I was missing and what I could be doing um, to be able to go out there and then learn to long snap, I think really that that's what defined me in the sense that in my athletic career anyways, of finding a way, not letting people tell me, realizing you can you can do what you put your mind to and, and that was learning how to long snap and you know, there was a lot of struggles that came with that and a lot of hard work that was put into that but you know it was kind of this moment of okay Jake you you, you actually do belong out there you you do belong out in the football field you can't participate and uh, and that was just a real I guess special moment that I needed to realize and needed someone to believe in me and luckily you know, Coach Wieselmeyer, which was a coach that worked with me all summer long, as well as my dad. You know, my dad always had that belief in me as well um, that I could go out there. And so, you know, that was that was I think more than a defining moment. I think my snap here at USC was the exclamation point on that, and was was kind of you know that um, the way for all of us to really kind of come full circle. And, but you know, for, for me, the defining moment of who I was as an athlete, who, what I could be at, after going blind was probably back in high school. So we talked a lot about sports and football. I want to dig into some other areas. Um, we've talked about golf. You're a damn good golfer, <laughs> significantly better than my husband who plays all the time. You drove a car for the first time, I think, as a NASCAR pace driver at the Charlotte Speedway. Yes, yes, that was fun. And then, like, in my favorite tweet I've heard in a while, you jumped off a high dive, and your tweet after was, the trick is not to look down. Yep, yep. So good. So you're doing things that are um, crazy. They're adventurous. And I think there's a huge majority of people um, who have the ability to see who wouldn't go near any of them. Where does your fearlessness come from, that tenacity and confidence? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think I always, I guess I've always had this sense of, you know, not wanting to lay my head on a pillow at nighttime and regret, regret not doing something um, th that day, you know. Um, and so when, you know, it is driving a, a car, if it is jumping off a high dive, if it is doing whatever, you know, it's it's about enjoying that and, and not, letting 
fear or anything stop you from doing it. And obviously, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, it's not some excuse to go be reckless with your life and, and do stupid things. But at the same time, you know, if there is a, uh, you know, that job opportunity, if it is going up and talking to that girl, if it is, you know, not, you know, going and playing that instrument that is, is hard in front of people, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, you know, there's, there's that moment where, you absolutely can or can't do it. And the only thing stopping you from doing it is your own mind and your own willpower to, to go do it. And um, so when it is me doing these things, I just, I like to have fun and I, I don't like to look back and say, man, why, why didn't I do that? And uh, I guess that's just kind of was born into me. And, you know, I, I've obviously seen a lot of struggles in lifetime. I've, I've seen kind of the unfairness of life. I've seen, you know, the dark, times in life and and but there's also a lot of beauty in life and there's also fun fun things in and and uh you know a real side of life that that can be enjoyed and, and uh you know Helen Keller says it best when she says you know we live in a broken world full of suffering but it's also full of overcoming and i think everyone gets to decide what kind of world they want to live in if it is that broken world or if it's that world of overcoming and you know i've chosen to live in that world of overcoming and that just comes with doing doing fun things you can laugh about and making jokes about yourself and about your circumstances and you know just having having fun with life we talked a little bit about heightened senses when you were talking about sound on the field. I would imagine you experience sound taste differently. Can you give examples of this? Well, like, you know, I, I've mentioned before, you know, sound has become more, more of, you know, than just hearing. Um, for instance, you know, if I were to walk down a hallway or to, you know, find my way back, um, somewhere, you know, I can, I can use sound to kind of feel where there's a wall in front of me, you know, not, not to run into things necessarily. Um, but you know, touch was, was a huge part of it. I remember trying to feel braille for the first time only a couple of days after I went blind and, you know, the, like, how am I supposed to differentiate, differentiate these little dots? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know how people do this and sure enough, you know, your body adapts and you, you can start feeling them, you know, and, um, you know, so there's, there's just different ways that your body finds you know, to ways to live, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible how your body can adapt. And, you know, I, I guess it's just something that obviously is in every creature on earth that has survived. And, you know, especially, you know, with us humans of learning to adapt and use what we have in, uh, in order to survive and thrive. So you talked earlier about walking up to the girl. <laughs> You're obviously a handsome guy, very smart collegiate athlete. So I imagine you're out there dating in the world. <laughs> I think for so many of us who have our site, it's the, there's this visual attraction, right? Yep. You're attracted to somebody physically. Right. How do you experience attraction? Well, I think that's the cool thing. Um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to pretend, you know, that I, I am some guy who just doesn't care at all. You know, I, there's definitely ask my friends, I'll ask them all the time, you know, is she, is she cute, you know, whatever. But there's been so many times where people will tell me a girl is really attractive and I just don't see it. You know, there's, there's, there's times where, you know, there's a girl who's, who's not the, the most attractive in the world, but I think it's really attractive just because of her personality. And I think in that sense, it is cool because I do get to see people for what, what they are and that's what they say and what comes from their heart. Um, and you know, it goes with, with everyone, you know, there's, 
some guy who's, you know, got a mohawk and tattoos all over the place and is the nicest guy I've ever met. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to ever picture him more than just some really nice guy, you know, and if there's some guy who is really clean and wearing a suit, but is a jerk, then I'm, I'm not going to picture him any other way, you know? So it's, it's really interesting in that regard and that I, you know, I thought I really would, I really did think I would, when I, was going blind would focus more on what people look like and, you know, always wonder when I met someone like, oh, what did they look like? It, it really doesn't come across my mind at all uh, in most scenarios. I'm more focused on, you know, who the person is and what they're saying and just enjoying the moment that we're in. And, um, you know, so that is that is kind of a funny, I guess, difference that I never expected. But yeah, there, there's actually rare, rarely times where I'll, I'll ask what someone looks like. All right. So the next question I was going to ask you, and this is funny, was about if there are advantages to being blind. And I think the answer you just gave me <laughs> is clearly yes. an advantageous uh, way, way to no, be mean, in the world. There but. definitely is. There's some, and we call it blessings of being blind. And uh, in some cases in, in, in life, that absolutely is not being able to see. There, it gives you a different perspective. And uh, it probably saves your, uh, your mind from seeing certain things that you know most people don't want to see. How do you think the world sees you? You know, I think... The world really sees me as a guy who has not let his circumstances define him, who has, who knows what he likes to do and loves to do and, and is going to go do it at, uh, at, his, has, at his will. You know, and I think um, that's motivating people and I, I'm so glad it is. You know, for me, it's kind of funny because when people say, you know, is it overwhelming? You know, do you get overwhelmed about all these people looking up to you and, you know, and you doing all these things and impacting so many people. And it's like, well, no, I think it's just an adding added blessing to it because it's not like I was like, you know, let me go play football because I know it's going to inspire people. Or let me go play golf because I know it's going to inspire people. I, I play those sports. I do the things I do because I love to do them, you know, and it's because I'm what's it, what it, it's what I want to do. And it just is an added benefit that it inspires people. I'm really glad it motivates people to go achieve their dreams. You know, so many kids have come up to me if they're blind or if, you know, or some other disability, or if they don't have, if they're completely healthy and have nothing wrong with them, you know, that they, everyone faces challenges in life. Everyone faces, um, excuses, you know, everyone has excuses, you know, some are more legitimate than others, but everyone has excuses and everyone can point to those excuses and say, you know, I'm not going to be what I want to be or go where I want to go because of those excuses. And, you know, I'm, I'm, kind of want to be a person that can say, yes, you could do that. Or you could put those excuses aside and say, I'm going to find a way anyways. And, uh, and I think that's what I really want people to see. I have a question about your dreams. I read that when people are born blind and have never had a visual experience, their dreams aren't visual because there isn't the reference in the context. Do you see in your dreams? Yeah, I do. I actually, um, there's a lot of nights where I will have visual dreams and it's kind of funny because my mind like knows I'm blind. So for instance, I have a dream where Quebec's guiding me, but I can see. Um, so, you know, it's funny and most of the settings are actually, you know, back in, um, back in places where I, I actually have seen, you know, if that's my old house or, you know, my old elementary school, whatever. Um, but there's sometimes where I'll dream of, of new people, obviously in my life. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain because I actually kind of do see them, but I, they're not very vivid. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but yes, I short answer. Yes, I do see in my dreams. Is there a part of having your vision that you miss the most? 
Um, playing some some uh, I I loved certain like video games and computer games. I I think it's probably for my benefit that I I don't just because I I really you know people are like how do you find all this time? It's like well because I guess I really don't play very much video games. But you know I do like. You, you don't play Fortnite? No, I do not play <laughs> Fortnite. Um, so there's there's a lot of games I think I really I did love and would would enjoy playing. Um, you know, but so there there's certain things and there's certain times where I do kind of feel left out sometimes when when you know people are doing things and um, you know for instance like let's say people are you know, going to go to, uh, David Buster's for, you know, like a birthday party and like, yes, it's, it's fun to be around people, but like, it's just not the most fun environment just cause I, you know, I can't play a lot of the games and, um, you know, people are running around and doing all these crazy things. And it's like, I, I really can't necessarily do that. So there's certain times where you feel a little left out or, you know, things aren't as, um, you know, free to you as they are to other people. But, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's so many, you know, so many blessings in my life, like, and that's why I tell people, you know, I could let, for instance, that Dave and Buster's experience bring me down and, you know, I could go home and, and feel sorry for myself and why I can't participate. And, you know, it's okay to feel sad, but at the same time, you know, I realize, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad I do have friends that invite me you know, to go to the birthday party and I can't hang out with, and I, I can't have a fun time, you know, and I, I, I live in a free country where I can go to Dave and Buster's and, you know, even if I'm not having the most fun time, you know, I'm, I'm I, I can have fun there. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of blessings in my life that I do want to, you know, make sure I'm, I always remain grateful for. And it's just, you know, what, what you choose to look at and how you choose to look at things. We're going to have Dave and Buster's match our charitable donation. <laughs> going to track those guys down. Um, all right. So this question may be totally cliche and you can just say it's cliche pass. Um, but if you had your site back for one day, have you ever thought about how you would spend it? Um, I, I actually, people, not for a day. I don't know what I would do for a day. Um, that would be so weird. I would, I'd probably want to do a lot of activities. Um, I, I want to go play golf to see what the difference is, you know, like, you know, with, with my talents now, if, if, you know, what I would do, I I think that'd be really interesting. I want to go like definitely spend like an hour or so just flipping through yearbooks and seeing what people actually look like that I've, I've, you know, seen and being like, Hey, you know, what, what did this person actually look like? You know, um, probably go again, see old settings that I've, you know, I've lived in or whatever. I think that'd be interesting. Um, I drive a car, you know, I've, I've driven a car blind, but you know, you know what I mean? Just, you know, actually, I don't know. There, I, I think I just would want to do like a lot of activities, but I, that's, that's, that's a really interesting question. What do you think is the greatest misunderstanding that people have about someone who's blind? You know, first off, I, I, and America is good, but you know, around the world, I think there's a greater gap in the, in the way people, what people think blind people can and cannot do. Um, you know, I think people don't realize just the potential that a blind person still has, you know, a lot of them are, are very capable or very smart. You know, they just need to find a, a way to actually do the job or, you know, like you said, just work with them. Um, I think another thing is that a lot of people are, are scared, like, go up and like say hi necessarily sometimes and I can start learning voices and if I hear the voice I can kind of call out to them but 
for the most part, like I need people to kind of come up to me and say hi, you know, and, and uh, I can't wave across the hallway to you and, you know, wave you over. So, you know, I think, you know, people just need to treat like any other person where it's like, yeah, don't be afraid to go up and say hi. Don't be afraid to introduce yourself. And at the end of the day, a conversation, that's one of the things that sight actually does not matter. You know, you can have a conversation in the dark at any time you want. You know, it's just what the person is saying and that's what you should focus on. So Quebec is here. Where is Quebec? Under the table? Yeah, sleeping. <laughs> Quebec is sleeping on the job. Yep. Tell me about your relationship with your guide dog, Quebec. Uh, Quebec is, is my, my best friend, and he um, we are very, very close. Uh, I got him going into high school, which is actually a very young age to get a guide dog, but they made an, made an exception and had him all throughout high school. Now I've had him all through college, so he's a very smart dog, um, sitting in all those classes. Um, but he, uh, I soon learned just how much he loved me. Um, you know, he really grew close to me and his purpose in life is through me. Um, you know, whenever I leave on a trip or go to somewhere where it's not really, again, conducive to a guide dog or just might be cross country for a day and fly back and I'm just taking it on 11 hours of flights, you know, for, in a 30 hour stretch is not necessarily what I want to do to him. So say if I leave him with my parents for a night, he just gets so sad. I mean, he gets so, so depressed. So, and I think that he absolutely is, uh, my biggest fan. I, I think I trust his judgment in meeting people. It's weird how dogs kind of have that sense of who's a good person. He's not a good person. And they can absolutely, you know, there's been times where he's not like someone so much. And I know why, <laughs> um, but, you know, he just, he loves me and I, I, that love I feel and, you know, I love him and he's a help for me in every way. You know, he, he gets me where I need to go for a team. We work together. There's frustrating times and sometimes we get fed up with each other, but, you know, it's absolutely just a great relationship. And he's super cute. Yes. All right. Well, I loved, I loved your tweet when you did the high dive, but this was the one <clears> I really loved was your quote in the Washington Post. And I don't know if you remember it, but you said, if you can't see how God works things out, I think you're the blind one. What role do you think spirituality and faith have had in your journey? Yeah, I think faith has been everything in my life. Anyways, it's one of the reasons why I was able to get through what I did as a kid. I remember, you know, my, my, my parents both grew up, grew up as Christian. And, you know, I, as a kid, you kind of, I guess, just follow what your parents did for the most part. And uh, I kind of realized as a, at an early age that I, I needed my own relationship with God. And I, I kind of needed that strength and that, that hope that he, he provided. And did he ever, I mean, you know, there's a, um, just a peace knowing that he had a plan for me. Um, and I think that that plan is still to be revealed from, from many parts, but obviously there's, there's been a really, cool part of that plan that has been revealed. And that's when I snapped and, you know, I, I kind of look back on it and, and think, you know, there's a 12 year old that is going blind. And a lot of people at that point would say, you know, why God, why do I have to go blind? Um, you know, why are you allowing me to go blind? And, you know, there, there could obviously some anger and, you know, disappointment or whatever you want. And sure, you know, you, you can absolutely have that. And trust me, I did, you know, I, I had a lot of conversations with God about that and it's okay to be mad at him. Um, but at the end of the day, 
you know, when I look at the blessings that have come from that and where, where my life has gone, you know, it's, it's a small price to pay, you know, and it's, um, to eventually snap on that team that helped me through that and, you know, see where it's gone and the many people I've inspired and the many people I've been able to touch and, you know, even to the real place of people reaching out and saying, you know, they were thinking about committing suicide and have not and, you know, have new hope and everything. It's, it really is, um, a small price to pay, you know, it's really going blind and going through that. It's a small price to pay to the uh, impact that I've been able to have on people's lives. And I think that's where that quote kind of came from. And when I was sitting there in that post-game press conference and saying, you know, like if you really can't see how God has worked this out and, you know, what, what he has done in, in my life and turned this all around, then I really do think of the blind one. There was another um, quote from you in it local newspaper before your surgery. And you said, I'll never be able to see my parents again. And I had fought this cancer so hard, but cancer won. What would you say to that boy now? <laughs> well, I definitely say, you know, cancer, cancer didn't win. It, it, it took a good part of you and, you know, it, it took a good chunk of you. But, um, you know, when I, when I go speak to people about, you know, overcoming adversity, when I, when I go speak, you know, one of the things I, I mentioned is that scene in Rocky where, you know, he's talking to his son, you know, it's not about how hard you hit, it's about how, how, how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, you know, how much you can take and keep moving forward. And that's how winning is done. And, you know, for me, that, that really is how winning is done. And, you know, I, I say, you know, no one's ever gotten to that top of the mountain and have accomplished their goals and look back and said, you know, that, that was so easy. <laughs> I can't believe how easy that was. You know, it's just not how life works. You know, if, there, if it is easy, there's a reason, you know, and it's not a good reason. Um, so I don't think cancer had won. I think it hit me hard and it hit me really hard. And to this day, it still hits me hard sometimes in life, but you, know, you keep moving forward and, you know, you, you keep, keep moving forward and that's how winning is done. And so that's what I'd I tell that little boy. I said, you know, cancer, cancer necessarily hasn't won. Um, it's going to hit you hard, but, you know, make sure you keep moving forward and, and you'll be able to see, you know, what, like, you know, back to what we're saying, what, what God has in store. So you brought Quebec. I brought my son Sutton. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I asked Sutton to, to prepare a question for you. So before we wrap it up, Sutton, are you ready for your big moment on All the Wiser podcast? <laughs> yeah. Okay, come over here. Yeah. Awesome. All right, here he comes. Big journalist in the making. <laughs> or football player. Oh, or football player, he said. Okay, so we lean into There you go. So if you could go back and get back to your eyesight, would you? Uh, yes, I actually probably would. I mean, you know, I don't want to, you see all these people sometimes say, you know, they would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exchange what I've learned and been able to do for my eyesight. You know, if you say, okay, we'll erase the 10 years and you never went blind. I don't know if I would do that, but if, if, you know, you said I can give you your eyesight tomorrow, sure. You know, I would take it. Thank you, Jake. (laughs) Of course. All right. What do you want people to take away from your story, Jake? You know, I, I want people to take away that, again, first, life isn't fair, that things happen to everyone. Um, and if that's losing a parent, you know, at an early age, if that's someone, again, being taken away from you when they're not supposed to, if that's losing your ability to see, if it's losing your ability to walk, if it's, you know, um, having, you know, um, whatever problem you want to put in, you know, everyone has things happen and life isn't fair. And with those, again, excuses can be made. 
and sometimes you can be validated in that. And, you know, if, if I were to go home and sit and feel sorry for myself and say, you know, I can't play football, I don't think anyone would have said, no, you can't. I think people would have understood that. Um, but it's not the satisfac- um, satisfactory route that is going to end up with um, you, you know, really living the life you want to live. You know, if you, if you do have a passion, if you do have something you love, then go do it and find a way to do it. Uh, it might not be the easiest way. It is the harder route. It really is. You might have to work and you probably will have to work harder than the person next to you. You are going to have to find a different way. You might have to readjust your dreams um, in the sense that, again, you're not going to be the star quarterback out there. But that doesn't mean you don't have to live the life you want to live. That doesn't mean you don't have to um, you know, not participate in the things you love doing. And that's why I kind of want people to take, you know, um, have fun with life. You know, joke around, put a smile on your face, change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. You know, be grateful, um, have that mindset of, of always being grateful for something, you know, and not letting that adversity stop you in life and, and doing the things you love. Because at the end of the day, when you look back, you know, you're on your deathbed looking back on life. The only thing that, you know, you're going to be able to blame for not doing the things you love and not doing the things you want to do is you, you know, you can sure point at blindness or point at X, Y, or Z all you want. But at the end of the day, your heart and your mind truly knows you could have persevered through that. You could have found a way. The, The real accomplishment, the real happiness comes when you are grateful, when you make those relationships, and when you do the things you love to do. Awesome. All right. We're going to end with a little rapid fire. All right. All right. You ready for this? Yes. All right. Favorite childhood cereal? Uh, so actually, it's was it, it was Fruit Loops, and the only time I was actually allowed to eat them, my mom's pretty healthy, but the only time I was allowed to eat them was, <laughs> was actually sometimes uh, when I was receiving chemo and my my stomach was you know all messed up. But for some reason, man, sometimes those Fruit Loops uh, tasted real good in the morning. So sometimes my mom would allow me to have them. Favorite way to spend a Sunday. Uh, favorite way to spend a Sunday is probably sitting down on the couch, having as many TVs in front of me as I can to flip channels for, for all the NFL games and watching my fantasy teams sometimes make me the most frustrated person in the world or the most happy person in the world. Favorite song. Favorite song. Um, that's a hard one. I'm a big Drake fan, um, and my favorite band is probably I Prevail. I don't know if I have a favorite song, though, necessarily. Best spot to go for a first date? Best spot to go for a first date, definitely the beach, I'd say. For sure, the beach. My favorite quote is? Uh, my favorite quote is, uh, if you take life too seriously, you'll never make it out alive. Thank you, Jake. Of course course oh sudden saying thank you in quebec thank you all right we can't leave without um letting people know where to find you and who we're supporting today um so where can we find you online and on social media yeah so social media is just uh at jake olson 61 um on instagram and twitter and uh if you know obviously there's Lots of different ways you could probably contact me, but, um, you know, sending me a DM is probably one. But like I said, uh, my business engaged, one of the reasons we made it was just kind of have that real direct avenue to contact talent and make sure you know you're contacting the actual talent. And uh, so if you go to letsengage.com, you can absolutely find me and book me for an experience of your choice. If you want to play around golf with me, if you want to 
come hear me speak. If um, you know you want to snap with me, whatever you want to do, you can absolutely have your custom custom experience. And uh, so letsengage.com. Awesome. And we'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jake. If you like today's interview with Jake, I hope you will consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to All The Wiser. We are excited to share that today marks episode 15 and $30,000 in donations to charities big and small. On that note, we are also excited to tell you about Jake's charity, Out of Sight Faith. He originally started it to help blind kids get access to the same technology he had. Today, they continue to do this important work while also focusing on funding research to treat the cure for cancer that took his vision. You can learn more about Jake's life and charitable work at jakeolson.me. All the Wiser is produced by Erica Gerard at Podkit Productions. Our sound engineer is Juan Diego from Harmonix, and our associate producer is Kessie Hollister. Thank you as always. I hope today's episode has you feeling inspired and optimistic. Shoot, it wasn't recording. I'm kidding. Yeah, I was going to Usually. Mom, I swear. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.